Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Canadian Premier League Newsroom. Christian Jack alongside Charlie O'Connor-Clark on a second successive week where all four home teams record wins. That's right, make that eight on the bounce now. Ten more goals to talk about in this past weekend, and we will see them all in the next hour or so. As usual, we'll also hear from all the managers. Tommy Wilden Jr. will join us live in less than ten minutes to recap a Friday night cracker. Results this week, Cavalry 2, Forge 1. Stick around for one of the best regular season games this league has ever seen. Uh, Halifax 1, Valor 0. Sam Salter's penalty, the difference. Pacific 1, Atletico Ottawa 0. Josh Hurd's eighth-minute goal was enough to separate those sides. And a five-goal thriller at York Line Stadium as York United defeat FC Edmonton by three goals to two in a game that saw both teams come from behind to take the lead. But in the end, it was York's comeback was the one that mattered. We start, though, Charlie, in on in Calgary. And before we bring Benedict <laughs> in, what a balmy game this was. Wow. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. I don't... We'll have to ask Tommy about this in a few minutes, but I don't know if Forge and Calvary are capable of having a normal game between <laughs> each other. Because <laughs> this was just this was just nuts. I think Calvary were pretty much in control for a while, and then Forge did as Forge do, where they make some changes and they get back right back in it, and they look they've got the result, and then an unlikely hero in Mickey Cantave off the bench to score the winner. So another phenomenal game in Calgary. Yeah, Cavalry Forge do not do dull. That's very much obvious and clear. Let's bring in our man, our correspondent on the game, Benedict Rhodes. Uh, heading in, Benedict Forge had, cl- had a club record six-game winning run. Cavalry a club worth four losses in five. Uh, clearly, one team really wanted this a little bit more, and in the end, they got it. But boy, oh boy, only just. Yeah, there's another exciting one you see here. If you're watching on YouTube, you know Joe Mason got the scoring uh, underway very early, as he did the last time these two teams played, but. Uh, it ended up being his team on on the correct side of the two one result this time uh, as as a lot of late drama in this game. You know, Jordan Hamilton scored his first CPL goal in, in the eighty second minute, I believe, and it looked like you know, oh no, Calvary is gonna you know drop points again, uh, and and uh, it seemed like they were going to until the ninetieth minute, and then you know, an unlikely source maybe in Mickey Cantave, who's only played a couple times off the bench, I believe, for Calvary so far this season, comes in and uh, again and and scores the winning goal and. and and wheels away in celebration in front of in front of the crowd there in, in Calgary. So uh, I think it was a, a deserved win for Calgary, but uh, they definitely didn't make it easier for themselves. A deserved win, interesting because it didn't look that way, did it? I was I did the game on Friday on one soccer. We'll get to that later. But as you're writing this out, are you writing to the? Are you getting to the point where in your analysis you're already thinking if this goal doesn't go in, um, this is going to be a game where Calgary lost two significant points, and even more importantly, Benedict, just that advantage in their head over Forge which has been a, a consistent issue for them since the start of this league. Yeah, I think I think the, the two points dropped would have been maybe worse mentally than it would have been uh, in terms of the standings. I think, you know, obviously, you know, you want to get up to the top of the table. You want to challenge for first place and, and home advantage in the playoffs and whatever. But I think, you know, like you said, Calvary and, and Forge have had this rivalry going for, you know, four years now and or three years, I guess. And, and um, it always seems to be Forge coming out on, on the winning side of things. And, uh, obviously, the most notable example of that was the 2019 final, and it seemed like again, like Cavalry need a result here to kind of show Forge, you know, they mean business, sort of a statement win, and that's what they ended up getting in the end. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you kind of see that at the end with how much that meant to Cavalry, right, Benedict? You were obviously there in the the post match press conference. You were covering the game. Did you get a sense from from Tommy and from Mickey Cantave of just? how badly they really wanted that three points against this team and to do it in such dramatic fashion as well. 
Yeah, you mentioned what it meant to them. You could, you could see the final whistle. Like I think Bobby said, Smidio said that they they were celebrating almost as if they you know won the final. They were celebrating like they, they were going nuts in, in Calgary and and uh, you know Tommy and and uh, Mickey Cantava able to sort of echoed that sort of sentiment and saying like this game meant a lot to us and 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 you know it's always good to get one up on on a rival like Forge and, and that's exactly what they ended up doing. Well, with more on this, let's go back to um, at Cofield and get reaction from the winning gold man himself, Miki Kentave. I've been watching the CPL for uh, for a little while, and it's 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 a good league. And I know, obviously, you know, it's, it's part of the best teams in the league. You know, they always go head to head for the for the championship. And you know, it's 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 my first game was actually against Forest, so I felt that in my debut. So it's 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 always a great rivalry for sure. Great to have new faces in our league and great to have new heroes. And he's certainly become an instant hero there with the foot soldiers. Uh, what impressed you the most about Cavalry? I know Jose Escalante was heavily involved in your analysis piece at campiel.ca. And um, this is a guy you just cannot keep out of the headlines, Benedict. Yeah, he, he said that again. Uh, he, he, Charlie, I think Charlie said last year in one of the first episodes of this podcast last year that, you know, the league is a lot better with Jose Escalante in it. Um, and, and I think we, we saw it again, you know, he's, he's a troublemaker, uh, as we all know, um, for lack of a better word. Um, he, he, he's definitely involved on, on the ball and off the ball. And, and you can see by just how frustrating he is, you know, he really gets inside people's heads and especially Forge who, you know, he's been battling with for, for since the beginning of this league. And, and, uh, Charlie and I were talking before the show, like Razor Rama had a lot of trouble with him in this game, both, both, both on the ball and also, so the antics side of things, they're they're both going at each other all night, and and uh, for, for neutral fans, that's exactly what you want to see. You want to see, uh, you know, these sort of head-to-head matchups where everyone is sort of really going after each other and really involved. Let me just add, I wouldn't want to mess with Rezat Rama. Just um, I, I want to add. <laughs> but by the way, you know who doesn't care about messing with him, Charlie? Jose Escalante. He doesn't care. He does not. He does yeah. not. Ben, I think that there is a better word than troublemaker, but we're not oh, allowed yeah. to say it on this show. <laughs> <laughs> But I think that the thing that impressed me about Cavalry was they kind of found a, a rare, maybe tactical re- weakness in Forge in this game. They were able to break that press pretty well, and that's usually very difficult to do against Forge, but they were quite direct with some of those balls, especially the ones up to Escalante and then Escalante's own deliveries into players like Mason or, or Sergio Camargo or whatnot. So, Ben, did it seem like they'd kind of found something that was working for them and an advantage in this game? Yeah, you mentioned the directness. I think that's a, that's a good way of saying it. There was, especially on the first goal, for example. You know, uh, it didn't want to counterattack. Like Krifia made that big tackle, and and Calvary immediately everyone was up the pitch. Everyone was was going at the at the Forge backline, and I think just the sustained pressure was maybe a little bit uh, too much to deal with at a couple of times. And so on the two goals, it was just very direct. Just put the ball in the box and, and see what happens. And uh, and then you know Mason and uh, Kentave both ended up scoring. So. Uh, that, that directness is definitely an advantage for Calvary in this game. We mentioned coming in, Forge were on a club record run of six games in a row, wins 16 goals scored during that run as well. They'd only conceded four goals in 10 games, yet Calvary managed to get two in the same game against them. That's a tremendous achievement for the, the, for the aforementioned attack that you mentioned there. Let's go back and get some reaction from Forge head coach Bobby Sminiosis. I think when you look at it, okay, you, you finish the game, it's a, it's a tough one. You thought you've come out of this uh, with a point, and I think maybe that's a fair result in the game, but that's football. You know, we're going to play 28 games this year, and uh, on the most part, uh, so far, we've been on the positive side of things. So you have to, uh, you know, take it for, for what it is and just move forward. You know, we're in a good spot. We've, we've won six uh, of our last games before this. You're going to lose matches. 
You know, it could be six, seven, ten games down the road, but you're always going to lose at some point. Um, so it's come today, and uh, and we just move forward. We're in a good spot with uh, where we are with our number of wins, and we know what the math is uh, to get yourself in, in certain spots, and we just need to keep on going forward. You know, we've come here a couple of weeks. We've taken three points. You know, they've won in here, which Cavalry is a very good team at home. Uh, and like I said, it was an important, very important game uh, for them today. And we just go on to the next one. We'll get to the states and the, st the status of the game and the stakes that were had. And obviously, Bobby's clearly playing up that Calvary needed it more than they did. We'll get to that in a second with Tommy Wilden G. But one bright spot for for, for, for Forge um, was clearly the debut, uh, the second game coming, the debut goal of Jordan Hamilton. He met, he met the media after the match. Here's what he had to say. Like, like I said, uh, just just being on the bench, it felt like a playoff game from minute one, right? So these are the games you want to play in as a player. Um, I came in raring to go, so uh, got my goal, thankfully, but unfortunately uh, didn't get the result. So disappointed with that, but the, the atmosphere uh, really had my blood flowing, so I was happy to get out there and, and contribute to my team. Great to have Jordan scoring goals in this league. But before we bring Tommy in quickly, what did you think, Benedict, of Janssen coming into midfield? It's the second game in a row they've done that late in the game. And it, it, he obviously plays the key pass that leads to the goal as well. You know, we're big fans of Ajabrapur and Sissoko and Becker, and that midfield three has worked so well. They've won a lot of games of that midfield three this year. But with Krutzen getting back closer, Samuel on the bench, you have to wonder, is this possible now that Tommy, Tommy, with Bobby thinking about putting Janssen in that midfield going forward? Benedict, what were your thoughts on that change? That's an interesting one. I, I did like uh, you, you mentioned having him started in defense. I think he gives him a, a bit more energy later in the game to, to push forward and, and maybe, maybe wouldn't have if he played the entire 90 minutes in midfield. So uh, I think that was definitely an advantage for them. I wonder if maybe that's something we see going forward, you know, starting in defense, maybe alongside Kurtzen. Uh And then uh, when, he, when he's back, of course, and then pushing into midfield later in the game. But uh, and I think we all know Alex can, can step right into midfield and play 90 minutes every week if he, if he needed to. And, uh, he just gives him another dimension, you know, defensively and also offensively. He's one of the best passers in this league. And uh, I think no matter where he plays, he's going to be a key contributor for this team. Certainly very good technically if he plays in that back four. But, you know, a lot of numbers that can play in that midfield. and only, You can only play so many of them. Uh, let's bring in Tommy Wilden Jr. now. We thank him, always friend of his show, for spending some crucial time with us on a Monday. Uh, Tommy, good morning out there. Hope's well. And uh, it's been a couple of days since Friday night. But uh, how special was it to look back at that game now? Oh, I don't think we're hearing Tommy right now, actually. Have we got Tommy? You might have audio? yourself on mute there. We may have him on mute there. Let's just check Tommy's uh, audio there, and we'll see if we can get him back. Tommy, can you hear us now? All right. I think he can hear us. He's on mute right now, so maybe we can just work on something on the back in a second. He's just we're not we're not hearing him at the moment on his audio side there. Um, we'll just play with that, Benedict. Maybe you can just bring him out, and we'll uh, we'll work on something there. But overall, this was uh, a game you could see that they were up for, Charlie and Tommy Wilden. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It was a great atmosphere at Spruce Meadows, as it often is. Um, and I think that definitely contributed. Jordan Hamilton said it was a playoff atmosphere. That guy has played in some massive playoff atmosphere games, so he would know. Um, and it was a lot of fun. It really felt like one of those uh, one of those bigger games in the league, a game that kind of everybody, even neutrals, should kind of sit down and, and watch if you're a fan of this league because the quality of the play is very high. The drama is always there. These teams are always entertaining when they come up against each other. So, uh, you know, it's it's a game that I think we'll look back at at the end of the season as one of the highlights of this year. 
I agree with that. You know, as I said, I did the broadcast on Friday night and it felt like a playoff game in the middle of the summer, which is fantastic. It felt, you know, there's a lot of tension, a lot of atmosphere there. The, the, the crowd was tremendous. I thought that was really important as well. And the more games we have like that in our league, the better it's, it is for our league, right? Like there's, there's a mm-hmm. lot on the line and the more you can put on the line, the better. I think that's really important. I, I do want to say something that on the broadcast on Friday night, it was brought up that there was a potential spitting incident at halftime. We talked about it very briefly right before the halftime where there was a potential spitting incident. We then clo- we, we, we then analyzed the footage. I analyzed the footage very closely with the club afterwards, frame by frame, and that wasn't the case. There was no spitting incident whatsoever in that, in that game. I know there's a legend spitting incident with the Tristan Henry thing, but that definitely wasn't the case. I've spoken to the club and the players since then and checked a lot of footage over that as well. So I wanted to just get that out there and uh, obviously apologize on behalf of One Soccer for that uh, issue. But yeah, it was, you know, Tristan and, and Forge were great about it, but that definitely was not the case at all. Um, let's bring in Tommy and see if we can get him back. Uh, we always want to hear from Tommy. We can, uh, There he is. Uh, can you? Does this work? There he is. There we are. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what happened there, my friend. Listen, um, again, just the same question, I suppose, but how special was it on Friday night there? Yeah, listen, now we had time to digest it. It was a, it was a terrific performance. One I knew we were capable of doing um, and probably should have been a little bit more clinical, but given the status of the game, Forger in a great form, runner form. Um, they beat us last time when we were at home, um, one of the only two to do so. And we hadn't had a great lead up to that. So Given the context, I love the, the the character we played. I love the tactical identity we showed, and to be able to bounce back, having you know then just scoring you know a few minutes earlier, I thought it was great character, and that's exactly what this group's all about. Tommy, we were kind of talking about it earlier, but I don't know if you guys have ever had a normal game against Forge over the past four years. And I mean, we've spoken about it before with you. These teams aren't actually close to the same as they were in 2019, but is it just maybe a product of two good teams going against each other that produces these entertaining, high-quality games. Yeah, I think anytime you have rivalries, they're made organically, not forced because of a postcode, right? And I think mm-hmm. what's happened is now is, is you're starting to see these games home and away, they're early goals, last-minute equalizers or winners, you know, there's contentious decisions, you know, the final lived up to that. And I think there's a legacy that will carry over for... As long as Bobby and myself are at the helm, I think that's just uh, how we'll try and bring the best out of each other and, and our own players. It's great for us. And you do bring the best out of each other. And I think even in a tension like that, you all hold a lot of character and the gentleman that you are, you deserve a lot of credit for the way that you continue to talk about this league. Tommy, can you talk us into a little bit about how you as a a leader prepare for a game like that? You'd come off four losses in five. Mm -hmm. You had a long time to prepare. But when you're training a team like that, how do you make sure that they know it's more important. Is it just another week? Do you not go too far and putting too much pressure on them? Do you just let them go out there and sense the moment? Like, what's the balance there in terms of making sure that, yes, they know it's just a game, but a bit more of an extra motivation? Yeah, it's it's certainly a fine balance because you can't go too far in one direction and, and start pushing the lads beyond their you know, comfort zone. And you also, you have to remind them how good they are. We always chunk up the season in, into thirds, right? We, we, you know, we started the season a little slow, but had a really good run and our um, set a club record. And then we went into a, you know, three losses in a row, which we'd never done. Um, and then we we looked at it and just said, look, that a log jam of fixtures caught up with us. We, you know, we were the first team to reach 20 games, um, and we started, I think, a week later than everyone else. So it, it caught up with us, and there's no shame in admitting that. 
But we've always said we didn't get too highs on the highs when we were going through the unbeaten runs. Now was the challenge to not get too low on the lows. And here's our games against Forge. And this is how we've had success against them. They're a good team. They have our respect, but they're beatable. And I think out of the 17 games we've ever played, there's only been one game that's been more than one goal different. Mm. But we know how close we are and we just need to perform into our way and play to our strengths. And I thought the lads did that. So to have a week makes a, it makes a big difference because you can work on the nuances. You can have the small unit work. You can have the big group work and you can have the individual conversations. And that's what we spent a lot of time as a coaching staff doing. At the end of the day, it's obviously kind of just about being in that conversation at the end of the season in the top four, which, you know, mm -hmm. you guys have been all year. But, uh, you know, just coming off uh, maybe a, a more frustrating stretch, as you mentioned, it seemed like there was a sense of, of that win being a bit of a, a relief for you guys, a fun one. Did you maybe just take a few moments after the game Saturday, Sunday to enjoy it, knowing you actually have this schedule where you have a couple extra days rest before you play Ottawa next weekend? Absolutely. Um, again, back to that ethos of not high, too high on the highs and not too low on the lows. We, we have a saying around Spruce Meadows made by the, old, um, the the former owner, Mr. Sutton. He said, you know, you take a day to bleed and a day to celebrate. And, it, and it's and it's and it's so true, right? You can't get too low on when when you do lose, and you can't get too high on that. We know that we've had a good result. Certainly, my beer tasted on the, my backyard patio when I'm doing the barbecue <laughs> on Sunday. Tasted way, way better. But now it's now it's you know we we reflected on the game, and now we're focused on Ottawa. I want to be invited to a Wildon barbecue. That's one. Let, <laughs> let me know when you've got one. I'll come out there. Uh, listen, mate. What what was it like uh, when Hamilton scored that goal? Because, you know, are you thinking, first of all, every credit, DKR and, and Cantave changes, they change the game, right, with what, what happened in the goal. What I was thinking is this, is that when I'm doing the game at One Soccer, I thought about Klomp in Halifax, 94th minute. I thought about Adekubi, last minute goal against Valor. This is not something that you've done, you know, once or twice. You've done it a lot lately, you know, where you've been able to find and dig deep. The game was far from over. Was that were those memories in in the forefront of your mind at that point that you can feel like you can still go out and win this? Were, it, were those reference points helpful? Yeah, I, I think our, our second half performance was a lot better. And in terms of, you know, we, we always look at you know possession. Everyone gets caught up on possession, um, and then you look at chances created and the expected goals. And I thought we had so many more expected goals. Joe Mason thinks he's walking away with a match ball today on another day, but he, he feels that he's there and he's getting back to his sharpness. We're now finding the, the, the pockets for him. But I felt with the chances we'd had and the introduction of Mikel Cantave, who's starting to get match fit again, having joined us mid-season, to Joe DiChiara, who played a lot of football that was fresh, we felt they were tiring. Uh, I thought young Jean Agnelas, he ran Ashton Morgan to the ground. He did. And I think that was part of it where, you know, they do overload on that left hand side. And we felt that if he could match him athletically, we could bring in a bit of quality. And then when you got Ali Moussi in there, who's our second top scorer, we knew that chances were going to come. And I looked at Ledge and I looked at our players and there was a disappointment there. But I felt something different in them where I felt there's another chance coming. And actually our goal, I think we were watching it again today, it started from a goal kick. We've played all the way through them. And it was a great positional play and to score on a goal that we'd worked on all week in terms of where we felt we could attack. I mean, that that just is the icing on the cake. So credit to the lads because they've really bought into it. And, you know, I think Mikhail Cantave has is, is, is now become a bit of a cult hero with the foot soldiers end making his first goal there. Speaking of cult heroes with the foot soldiers, um, I want to ask about Jose Escalante. Uh, and there's he's up there on the screen now, but... He's just such a, an entertaining player in this league, right? Player who can kind of get under the skin of other opposing teams, but he's got that magic left foot as well. Just how much does he mean to to this club and has over the last four years and how 
big a part of the, the way that you guys play, is he? Well, it was interesting because, again, I, I like to read stats because they can interpret some things. And I think he's our second highest uh, number of games. So I think Marco Carducci's 80 games. I think uh, Jose's 78 games for us. And funnily enough, uh, the Forge game was my 100th uh, um, Centurion uh, uh, managerial one for, uh, for for Cavalry. So when you look at the amount of games Jose Escalante's played in, he's always been a problem. So it's either he's a problem with the ball or he's a problem out of possession with his pressing. He's a terrific presser of the ball and he gives us that front foot ability. Um, but then when teams start to focus on him, he really does free up the other players. So sometimes... You know, he absorbs all that, you know, that Dennis Rodman type where he absorbs all that focus of the opposition. And it gives the quieter players like Joe Mason, Sergio Camargo and Ali Mushis, it gives them the freedom to perform. So uh, we love him. And the funny thing is, away from the game, you know, don't want to break his character, but he's a terrific family man. And he's a, he's a wonderful guy in the community. He does a lot of work. He goes out and coaches the kids. Well, as soon as he crosses that line, he is that pantomime villain. And I think he, he enjoys that role. It's like a movie star, you know, puts on yeah. that mask, gets out there as a different <laughs> character. I love it. Uh, Jaden in the chat says, Forge Cavalry was like a CPL classic similar to a Liverpool Man United in the English Premier League. Um, you know, I love that that comparison as well. Not United really anymore, like big, but... but not Man United anymore. Maybe maybe Liverpool, uh, the rivalry, but yeah, Man United, what are they, bottom of the Premier League? We're all, we're all enjoying that. Uh, Stuart says is to, um, to Tommy, is Karifa Yao the greatest defender in the CPL right now? I know you won't answer that question um, in respect to others. I will say he is definitely up there. What's it like working with this player every day? You've done it now for two seasons and I, I see a future Canadian international and potentially a Canadian international star. What's it like working with him? What do you see? I do. He is so quiet. He's so, like, in terms of his focus is on football. He just wants to be a, a top, top footballer. He's always looking to learn. And for a young man, he takes accountability. Like, the, the bounce that he got done on him against Valor, it caught up on him and he made a decision. And then there was confusion with him and Marco. But you looked at him with, um, with Paceus in the first game where Paceus handballs it. He just takes accountability that says he felt he should have done better. And then the next week, he, he, he scores against Edmonton. That's a great reaction. And then this week, you know, having had that reaction, he then goes on and has a great game and sets the first goal up by getting one over his old teammate, Paceus, with, with the tackle. So what I like, top players, everybody fails. But I call it failing forward. And I think what he does is he takes that as an opportunity to learn and grow onto his next one. And then he responds and there's not many young players. Well, he's 20, 21 as a centre-back and he's played a ton of games now. I, I see a big future for him because he's also underestimated in his possession play. Yeah. He's one of the highest passing rates in the league and he's also got a couple of assists from open play. So I think he's uh, he's come here and he's grown even more so than he did last year. And you guys have a lot of centre-backs that can move the ball well, right? You know, mm. Dan Klomp, Davy Norman, Mason Trafford, all mm. of them. Um, but... Another place where you guys have a lot of players who can move the ball is in midfield. I'm just fascinated by kind of the, the, the things that you did in this in this game against Forge with obviously you've got Charlie Trafford as the kind of eight with Sergio Camargo in front of them, but then you can change both of them, right? Mm -hmm. Bringing bring Ali Musi and Joji Chiara in. Just how important is it to you guys to be able to to have that depth in those same positions and be able to bring players in for fresher legs and really not miss a beat? Yeah, we tried to double down in every position. I think when we looked and reflected, and that was part of the psychological work we did, we said, look, this rotation of players actually did as well in our unbeaten run. Not so much there because players were starting to get stretched when we started you know, being on the wrong end of the results. 
But by doing so now, they understand the position. We like having a six, eight, and ten, whether it be Elijah or or, or Elliot at the base, right, protecting and, and starting to be our point guards to, you know, whether it's Joe DiCaro or, or Charlie Trafford being more, you know, Joe's a little bit more offensive and Charlie's a little bit more defensive. But Charlie is sticky. His interception rate, his possession rate is very, very high. And then you've got your Maverick in terms of Sergio Ali Musi that can change a game, receiving tight spaces, can get forward, play forward. Um, so I think that balance of midfield, it's an offset triangle and, and we're a little bit different than most, but it works for us. And uh, and that's something we want to be different than others. We've got to play to our strengths, like, you know, Forge play to theirs and Atletico and Pacific are playing to theirs. It makes for really good tactical balances when you go up against these good teams. Yeah, you guys do it the better than most. You've got tremendous depth. Last question then on that, Tommy. Can you give us and the foot soldiers and all the fans on the show a little bit of an update injury-wise? How's Bevan? How's Alakon? How's your team looking? Yeah, so I think uh, Alakon just, he took a bit of a knock in training and it was on his ankle. So we're going to test him this week. Hopefully he'll return back. It's not a long one. Uh, Sergio came off. He, there was tightness, I think, is in, in his hamstring. So we're going to assess him this week. Um, Bevan is, uh, you know, I think by the York game, he's penciled in for, for returning, which is great for our running. I mean, you know, it's great because uh, our foot soldiers there, you, you only have to hear, you know, Bobby and, and, and Jordan Hamilton when they speak about our place. It is a fortress. And I think our, our foot soldiers make that. They're, they're a special group and it's a special atmosphere at Echo Field. And that's probably why we have the best home record in the season so far. Yeah, can't wait to get back there for some playoff games as well. It's going to be spicy no matter who you play. But uh, the neutrals are also not going to lie. I'm not going to lie. A Forge Cavalry two-legged affair would be pretty special. But you're thinking a lot higher than that. I know. Get to those top two. Get to that top one, maybe. Uh, but I get it. It's going to be pretty good for all of us. Uh, listen, listen we, we just got to get there first, right? Our next, of course you our do. Our find is just Ottawa on the weekend. That's it. That's all we're thinking about. And that's going to be a tremendous match as well. They just keep on coming in the Canadian Premier League. Tommy, we can't thank you enough for spending the time with us. I know you're getting some training today. So uh, get back to the team. We'll We'll speak to you soon, okay? Thank you. Appreciate it. Great, great Tommy Will Jr. Congrats on 100 appearances for him as well and a fantastic club that he's continued to run. And I think that's really important that we mentioned the way that this, it was spicy when we saw it some of the Premier League games yesterday, the, the, the encounters that he's had, but, you know, keeping the oh, class yeah. as well, right, Charlie? They're keeping the class. They keep the, the gentlemen on the on both sides, uh, even though this, this rivalry is real. Yeah, I don't think we're getting... Uh... Conte Tuchel kind of bust up between Tommy and Bobby anytime soon oh. there's a lot, but there's a, there's a lot of mutual respect in this rivalry but on the pitch it is a lot of fun with just how, how heated these games get there's, there's tackles flying in but there's quality as well and I think that's most important yeah and you know what players get all the attention and they should but it has to be said what Bobby Smyrniotis is doing for his team and what Tommy Wilden Jr. is doing for his team are the two of the most massive pillars that we are building in this Canadian Premier League the stability is, is rare in football and they won't be here forever and maybe they'll go on to bigger and better things but two are the best gentlemen you'll deal with in Canadian soccer and uh, proud to have them and proud to cover them uh, alright from Alberta we move to the beautiful British Columbia Charlie you're on a game where Pacific played their first league game in two weeks following their CONCACAF trails yeah. and in in the end, they came out fast, and that was the difference with an early goal from Josh Hurd. Yeah, it was an interesting one. Obviously, we had the big news last week of Alejandro Diaz going off to Norway, uh, which, you know, it's, it's great news for the club, the player, and the league. But at the same time, when you lose your top scorer and you're one of the top scoring teams in the league, you have to find a way to fill that hole. Right. Uh, and for this game, Gennaro Daniels is suspended, and he's the guy James Merriman has spoken about as the likely number nine, but jo that's no problem because Josh Hurd comes into the middle and it immediately works out because he's able to get on the end of that long pass from Nathan Mavilla and finish it. Uh, and then after that, I think Pacific were 
really happy to, especially in a second half, kind of control the ball or, or keep Ottawa to the outside, to the perimeters and not really give up a whole lot in this game. Uh, you know, Pacific aren't often a team that like to to slow things down or, or sit in a block or, or defend a lot. But they were quite comfortable with that in this game, especially knowing, obviously we're going to talk about it in a bit, but knowing that they have their CONCACAF League game on Tuesday, they certainly did not mind that, you know, this game didn't have the uh, the pace at the end of it of some of the other CPL games this weekend because they looked very confident, especially in the second half, just just building the ball a little bit more slowly out of the back and then just trying to hit in some of, again, you'll see it here on the screen, some of these quicker moves when they do open up, but for the most part, they just wanted to control the ball and take care of it and see out a pretty comfortable professional win. It was a professional win, and you alluded to it. They have had trouble um, defensively. Uh, they have had yeah. trouble. They score. They outscore a lot of problems, right? Uh, this mm-hmm. time, I think that you know James Merriman will be delighted with the fact that they got the goal early and stopped one of the best teams in the Canadian Premier League from really creating anything. You know, we saw that moment by Alaman who came on. Alaman who came on for McKendry, and he had that little bit of a, a dribble and then that shot, but a really comfortable save for Callum Irvin. And I think they'll be delighted with that. Um, but as Finn mentions in the chat, the, the the big story is Diaz is gone. He scored this weekend, by the way. Check out my Twitter if you want to see the video. I think the CPL retweeted that. Um, but Josh Hurd played in that position. Uh, you mentioned yeah. it. You wrote about it. Uh, let's go back to the Starlight Stadium and get reaction from the goal-scoring hero, Josh Hurd. Yeah, it was uh, it was one of those ones. We, we scored, and, and then we just defended for the 90 minutes. And credit credit to the team. We really we, we dug in there, and that's something me and you have talked about. We, we, we struggled um, this season about keeping keeping leads, um, keeping clean sheets, and I, and I think as of recently we've we've done very good with that. And uh, today today is a, a testament to that. It was very good from the boys. Now I know Daniels was suspended, but bear with me here for a second. It, 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 the, the challenge is now on Daniels, is it not, to come back and yeah. figure out whether he deserves to be in this team? Because I know Josh Hurd's best position is not there. Josh Hurd, by the way, will do anything. His, his manager asking the guy's played left back this year, <laughs> left back, <Yeah>. right wing, <laughs> left wing, now striker. But he does have that profile. The way he opens his body up, he's good in one-on-one situations. He's a terrific finisher. And we have to remember, Diaz didn't play in the final last year, and they played Johnny DeSantos. There's different ways that James Merriman now can go into this, and Daniels is far from an assured starter, Charlie. Absolutely. And I think the funny thing here, though, is that I think Josh Hurd picked up a yellow card in this game, so he's going to be suspended for the next one. Right. But still, it is it is a longer-term question for this club. And I, Josh Hurd does really have... You know the ability to to do what to ask from there, and one of the things that I like about him, maybe in a three there, uh, this isn't where the goal came from, but having him a little bit closer to Marco Bustos on the right side, yeah, because he played also, quite I inside too, Bustos. Yeah, I think yeah. that's really good because those are two players that know each other extremely well and have quite a good relationship, at a lot of chemistry with one another. So that could really bring both players, I think, alive a little bit on that right side, especially Bustos. We know how much he loves to cut in, and Josh Hurd has no problem drifting outside when he does. Um, you know, when Diaz was still here. Pacific started to play a lot more in that kind of four four two, so maybe there's more uh, more you know minutes available up in the attack. But they kind of they go back to the three for this game, and it worked quite well, obviously, and they got the goal that they needed. So, you know, it's kind of a, an interesting time for James Merriman because he did some tinkering a couple months ago, seemed to find the solution, and now he has to do it again and find a different solution. But there are a lot of players looking for minutes. You're right that Daniels is not the nailed on starter here. He's a player that. James Merriman is going to ask a lot of in training to prove that he deserves that that kind of number nine spot in the middle. Um, but I, I think it is going to be, you know, at least a couple games of trying to figure out playing some guys in different positions and figuring out who is best suited to what spot. 
Yeah, don't look now. I know they've been in CONCACAF and that's been the main headline and they've sold their, their, their record goal scorer, Alejandro Diaz. Um, but five wins in the bounce now. Five wins in a row uh, for Pacific and all mm-hmm. Canadian Premier League action. His reaction to their latest win with James Berman. To be honest, we were disappointed with our with our first half, with our possession, with our possession and our and our quality on the ball. We spoke about it at halftime. We needed to take better care of the ball when we were building. We needed to take better care of the ball in the transition moments. Um, and and the, the boys did in the second half. We did a great job. It was much better on the ball, much more control, um, a ton of work by all the players. We were very good in defensive transition to react and, and get pressure on the ball when we lost the ball. So... Um, like I said, it was an excellent job from, from the group, from the, from the team, from all of our players. Big win for Merriman and Pacific. As for Atletico, Ottawa, nowhere near the level they'd expect. Uh, they were very disappointed with their game. And after that, here's Carlos Gonzalez on the performance. I think it was the, a tight game uh, that we expected. And a big mistake make us uh, today lose three points. I think that we weren't sharp enough and deep enough in the, in the last third. We couldn't find a way to, to create more goal situations. And uh, a big mistake in defense it makes us go home with, with zero points today. No doubt that he would focus on that. After a five-game unbeaten run, they've lost two of the last three. Uncharacteristically uh, gave up the goal, though, Charlie. That is not yeah. the political Ottawa give up goal, no? No, it's not. It's a weird mistake from them because the, the line is a little bit high and, and they just... Diego Espeo kind of just loses Josh Hurd. He gets in between him and McDonald Neba, which is, you know, again, you said uncharacteristic. That's very uncharacteristic for this Ottawa team. Uh, but it's kind of a, an interesting dynamic for them to play in, in this game. They don't have a lot of games this year where they've kind of had more of the ball and they've played against a team that's willing to absorb a little bit. And they, they maybe struggle a little bit when they have to break down a team with possession, right? They, some of their best games have been the games where they hit in transition and they hit quickly. Yes. But even even games where uh, where things are a little bit slower, a little bit tighter, we've seen them lose to FC Edmonton in similar fashion. And an, an opponent that's maybe willing to invite you on and hit you in transition, because that's a lot of what Ottawa's best performances have been this year. So it's kind of a bit of an, an interesting one for them that they're maybe not able to break down a team if the pace of the game is a little bit slower. And that's probably something that they're going to be looking at this week because they're going to have to play these games and these teams, especially come playoff time. Yeah, I thought it's a great point you mentioned. I thought I thought very similar. You know, this the games against top teams and playoff games are going to be very different profile to what they're yeah. used to playing. And more teams, particularly the best teams, are figuring it out how to stop them playing. And, you know, if you think if you're playing them at home, no matter even if you're a dynamic attacking force like Pacific, if you think they're just going to go bang, 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 open up and then let you beat us on the transition with three or four quick passes and let Balu or someone else finish off, I think they're naive. I think teams are going to figure it out. So now it's up to them uh, to figure that out. And one player who will be working on that is arguably their best player so far this season. Here's the thoughts of Oli Bassett after this one. Yeah, I think definitely frustrating is uh, probably the right word to, to say. I think we had a lot of the ball... Um, but we can't really create too many uh, clear-cut chances um, and, and make something happen with it. So, yeah, it was a bit of a, a strange first half. It was uh, quite transitional and no one could really get a, you know, control of the game. And then I think second half we, you know, we tried to chase the game a little bit more and, and commit more men forward. Um, but, yeah, just ultimately couldn't really uh, put the ball in the back of the net. Bassett, the former Pacific player, of course, and they won't have much time to think about that. They're already getting home, getting ready to play midweek game against Halifax. We'll preview that later on. As for Pacific, talking of midweek, their CONCACAF journey continues against Herediano this week.
and I, that something happened there. We're supposed to throw to something, but let's bring in Mitchell Tierney here, <laughs> and we'll preview this game because Mitchell is all over this one for us. A uh, little video complications there on the back end. Listen, Mitch, uh, what are your thoughts heading into this one? As I know you're all over this in the press conferences of today, but what was a great performance in the first round, uh, I think, is going to be even need to be even better, though, against a tougher opponent in Herediana. Oh, absolutely. I mean, tougher opponent being the key word. This is one of, you know, the top sides, I would say, in the region in terms of, you know, Costa Rica. And um, they're off to an incredible start in the Costa Rican season. Five wins, one draw in the Apertura there, leading the league with 13 goals, only four conceded so far. So this will be a massive, massive test, I think, for for Pacific. And they're going to have to, you know, be at their best. We saw that certainly against Waterhouse, especially in the second leg. They were they were excellent. But it'll be a, a different match here where maybe they won't get as much of the ball as they're usually comfortable with. They'll have to find goals in different ways. And um, that'll be a, a good test for this side, I think. Yeah, I mean, with, with all the respect in the world to Waterhouse, this is a different level of opponent, mm, I think. Yeah. I mean, we've seen, we saw... Forge played Santos de Guapolis from Costa Rica last year, and that was, mm-hmm. you know, arguably the best team they played in that competition. And Herediano are arguably better than them in their own league at the moment, especially. Um, but I, I guess the other different element to this tie is Pacific play at home first, right? Mm-hmm. You can't go on the road and just hope to to kind of see it out unscathed and then get the job done at home. It's the opposite. I, I don't know, uh, Mitchell, what's, what's your philosophy when you're the home team in the first leg? Do you need to, do you need to go get a result? Do you, or is it just more, uh, keep the clean sheet and make sure you don't give up away goals? Well, I think the home leg is critical and you mentioned it there. Costa Rican sides have, have dominated this competition. Uh, Herdiana won the inaugural one back in 2018. So, um, that's certainly the case, but we, we saw that, you know, last year uh, against Santos for Forge, they had the really difficult away leg where, you know, they lost three to one and then they come home and win three nil. And um, I think that anytime you're traveling on the road in CONCACAF, you want to have any kind of advantage you can have aggregate wise going in. So I do think this first leg is is very critical. And this is something we see pretty regularly. You know, Herediano themselves, they played in the CONCACAF Champions League semifinals. They were winning three nil at home. They go to the Azteca to play Club America and lose 6-0. Uh, Alejandro Diaz, the departed, has now scored in that match uh, for Club <laughs> America. So, um, you know, I think that this is something we see pretty regularly where if you don't care, take care of business at home, and even sometimes when you do, um, the away leg is just completely different. So that's going to be critical for, for Pacific. Yeah, stay in the stay in the tie, right? Stay in the tie, do whatever you can. Um Mitchell, I know you've not spoke to James Merriman yet. His press conference availability comes up later, but he's been pretty vocal about a lot of the changes over the last few weeks have come down to adding another attacking player and taking a player out of midfield. Uh, you know, whether that's a 4-2-3-1 or a 4-4-2 with attacking wide players going forward. Um, and Sean Young and Manny Aparicio look really, really good uh, together at the base of midfield lately. Uh, do we expect, though, Jamar Dixon to come in? And can they play three of them? Do you expect them to, to remove an attacking player and, and shore up that midfield against probably one of the best opponents they've ever played in club history? Um, I certainly would imagine that will be the case for the second leg, especially if they can go up with the lead. Um, it, it's tough to say. I mean, there's there's two schools of thinking here. You know, one, um, if, if you don't lose, that's still an okay result. It's not a good result, but, you know, you just don't want to allow those those away goals um, regardless. And uh, I think, uh, you know, I think that that attacking 
addition has been just so important to what they've done going forward and losing Diaz, you know, there, there's some goals that are out of your lineup. So, you know, as long as you are confident that those wide players, be that Bustos, be that, you know, Dos Santos are going to commit to defending for the majority of 90 minutes. And I think you're okay to, to continue to play those wide players and just stick with this system that has been so critical to getting them, you know, all of these recent results. Yeah, I, I think this is a good game for Johnny Dos Santos in particular. Um, and I, I think I think if I were doing it, I would probably think that there's maybe room for another another body in midfield because you're going to want to break up the transition and maybe try and hit on the counter. You do wonder if, uh, if Cedric Toussaint's available yet because he might be a, a good player. Probably not, to be honest, but uh, you know, maybe, maybe off the bench. Uh, you know, Mitchell, there, there are kind of a lot of things that do go in Pacific's favor for the home leg, though, right? Playing on turf, they didn't have to travel this weekend already. I know that's a, a long trip from Costa Rica out to Vancouver Island. So, you know, there are things that are kind of advantages that they need to capitalize on, right? Absolutely. And I mean, Starlight's starting to get a bit of that fortress status for them um, in terms of obviously what we saw in the first leg of this, the Vancouver Whitecaps game last year. There's been some special games played at, at this stadium. And I think, you know, if you're, if you're on the fence as always about, buying tickets to this one, um, you know, th this could be another historic performance. Please, you know, go out and do that because I think you're you're going to miss something in, in this match because, you know, Pacific are, are right up for this and um, they, they just look different when they play at that stadium. Yeah, a chance to see history, no doubt about it. You won the league, go out there and enjoy um, what has obviously been gifts to you and playing in the CONCACAF, no doubt about it. A reminder, Tuesday night, Herediano against Pacific at Starlight Stadium. If you're locals, go get the tickets. If you're not, watch live on One Soccer, 10 p.m. out east, 7 o'clock local. Uh, Mitchell Tinney will be all over it as usual for us on campl.ca. Thanks, Mitch. Appreciate it. And uh, we'll chat with you next week. And as a reminder, go get your tickets. This is going to be a good one. Pacific score! Pacific FC chartered new territory in their first CONCACAF League play. Down to Luke and Josh Hurd! Pacific now face Costa Rican powerhouse Herediano FC, who are at the top of the Primera Division and familiar with winning. Welcome to the brace party! The CONCACAF League round of 16 begins. It's Josh Hurd floated over Busta! Tuesday, August 16th, on the only place for soccer in Canada. One soccer. Charlie, from the far west, we head to the far east at a tight affair at the Wanderers' grounds as Halifax played their ninth game of the season, decided by one goal or less. Um, but it may have been a similar scoreline, but a very different style and attacking play from a Wanderers team that, quite frankly, should have had a lot more goals. In the end, a game decided by Sam Salter's penalty right before halftime. Not the first time that that has happened this season. But overall, this was a yeah. very different-looking Wanderers team, Charlie. Yeah, it was kind of refreshing, to be honest, to see kind of new ideas and a new look from this Halifax attack. You know, Sam Salter starts up top and you've got kind of Frumpham one way playing just off of him as sort of a, a second striker kind of kind of thing. He'll back make three. those runs yeah. into space and a back three. Again, I think they maybe experimented with it in Hamilton last weekend, but yep. this game. Uh, obviously, no Peter Shallop, but Jake Ruby comes into that back three, which is great news for him as well. Uh, we should add he's kind of struggled with injuries all year, but he's a very good player. Um, but Halifax looked good. They looked a lot more comfortable on the ball. They moved it a lot faster than they have in other games. And that's kind of been the number one thing that Stephen Hart has talked about this season is he wants them to move the ball a lot quicker, especially from midfield. So there's a lot to like about this. You would probably hope that they score more goals 
in this kind of situation when they when they go forward uh, they'll probably be brewing some more missed chances as they often have this season and Stephen Hart I think mentioned it after the game that it felt it for a little bit at the start of the game they missed a couple early ones that maybe here we go again and it's one of those kinds of games again but uh, they defended very well in this one against a pretty informed Valor side so I think there's a lot to build on for this from or from this for Halifax. Yeah, there's a lot to like about what could work for them in this system. First of all, Tabby, I think, is a little bit more suited to playing as a wing-back rather than a wing the defender. Yeah. He's more of a winger anyway. Fernandez is one of the best roaming fullbacks we've got in our league. That certainly helps in the two flanks. I know they have a lot of wide players in attacking positions, so that takes them out and you've got to centralize them, but Mwanwe can do that. Plus, they like to play three central midfielders a lot and keep it tight. And that certainly can allow you to do that if you play the wing backs with two strikers going forward as well. So, um, yeah, every credit. They needed the win. Uh, big loss for Valor. And we'll get to that with the playoff re- repercussions in a second. Uh, but you alluded to it. Here's the reaction of Stephen Hart after this one. I have to be honest with you. When I saw we missed those three chances in the first half, I said to my assistant, I said, here we go again. They're going to get one chance and uh, we're going to be trying to play from behind, right? Uh, I, I told the players, I, I, I really enjoyed the performance. I thought the performance against Forge was good, but the performance here was excellent, especially the first half. And then the second half, how they managed the game was good. But we cannot, we cannot continue to not take our chances because we're... Uh, if we want to climb, if we want to win, this is essential. And I will not drop the standard. They have to do better in front of goal. Every credit for some strong words. Still only four goals from the last seven games since that 3-0 victory on the Starlight Stadium, um, which feels like a bit of an aberration, no doubt about it, but he alluded to it. I love the honesty. He turns persistently because we're going to get beat here or we're going to be behind <laughs> here, not putting away the chances again. Um, but in the end, they got the victory and Valor did not. It's a big loss for them. Here's the reaction of their head coach, Phil DeSantos. I think it was a chippy game overall. It wasn't a, a game where either team like we settled a little bit in possession but more with our back line we didn't get in good spots to to have the ball and try to hurt them so you know, th- these are games that are always going to be f- more physical i don't think the quality was very high when i and when i talk quality i talk about the the technical quality i think there are too many missed passes too many passes put in players that were not having to engage in duels and fights and uh, when it's not like that, you're gonna, especially on a smaller field, you're gonna get um, you're gonna get a lot of physicality and duels. So it, it's normal. Uh, and when you play two teams that need the three points badly, um, that's that, that's gonna happen. It's football. Disappointing day, though, no doubt about it. And I think actually it was put up really, really it was summed up really well uh, by their skipper who came in at halftime. One of multiple changes at halftime. Here's Daryl Fordyce. You didn't turn up today, simple as that. Uh, regardless of traveling, every team has to do it. Um, we came out flat today. Disappointing on the ball, especially in the first half. Uh, we just let ourselves down. You know, we, no excuses on our part. Strong words, came out flat, let themselves down, didn't show up. Lethargic, really. A bit of lackluster yeah. in a game that you really felt like if they'd have gone and got that win... Um, I know Cavalry won Friday, but they're still kind of holding that conversation up. And now with Cavalry winning and then losing, suddenly that gap becomes bigger, eight points. And it's it was almost almost that, that kind of weekend that we, we may refer to, Charlie, at the end of the season and go, this was kind of the one where they lost their chance. 
Yeah, I think if they'd won, they would have been three points back of Atletico Ottawa. Yeah. Uh, so it, yeah, this this is one of those games that I, I think it was, or it, it could have been there for them if they had, you know, maybe approached the game in a different way or, or come out a little bit stronger. Phil DeSantos spoke about kind of the physical element. He called it a chippy game, but Halifax obviously handled that a lot better than Valor did. Valor gave up the penalty and then uh, they go down to 10 men in the second half. I mean, we can we can debate all we like about the call or whatever, uh, but you know, when you are on 10 men for the, for most of the second half, it's very hard to get back into a game against a team that's just playing quite well and is so hard to play through their midfield. So this is definitely going to be one that Valor look back on as maybe not necessarily a missed opportunity because they didn't deserve to win this game with the way that they played, but certainly one that will sting down the stretch because they'll know that they were close and they were in, within touching distance of getting right back into that race. Yeah, Alex Gangi Rizek, our man on the game, who is actually, you know, on assignment today in, in Los Angeles, which is why he's not joining the show live, but he said the same things on campio.ca. So you can go back and read his analysis, compounding a difficult week for Valor. Uh, they held up the shirt of Ascanio, actually, uh, before the game. They haven't officially announced yet what went wrong there, but it's clearly some kind of long-term injury, and we'll find out from them as well what that will be short, shortly. But another um, setback to their chances of getting in the playoffs. Has to be said, though, four games in a row now at home. They start with FC Edmonton next week followed by Pacific and then back-to-back games at home to Forge. One of those games, of course, rescheduled from earlier this season uh, when the game was postponed due to COVID protocols. Uh, Last but not least, we end the weekend at York Lions Stadium where we were treated to a third 3-2 of the season. But unlike the previous two, where the team that scored first kept the lead throughout this one, it was a a back-and-a-forth affair that ignited late. Charlie, you were there. It was a pretty good game. Oh my God, this game was insane. (laughs) Uh, York kind of come out in the first half and they're really having a lot of joy with those balls over the left side up to to Ronan Kratt on the left. Uh, Paris G was playing left back for this team and I thought he was really, really good for York, especially in the first half. They were quite direct trying to get at Edmonton's back five and it works eventually. They get on the board, uh, but then they come out a lot flatter in the second half. FC Edmonton made adjustments. They made a first half substitution with Azriel Gonzalez coming on for T-Boy Faya. Uh, and Alan Koch said that was purely tactical because they recognized where York were hurting him and then where they could kind of stretch York in transition a little bit more with Gonzalez and Gabriel Bitar. They come out in the second half and they just have more energy and they seem to want it more than York for the most part uh, with these, these really quick goals, these well-taken goals. Toby Warshevsky's hold-up play is really, really fascinating in these moments to lay it off or, or to deliver the ball for the second goal to Gonzalez. Uh, and then after that, after Edmonton take a lead, uh, they kind of didn't know what to do. That's <laughs> sort of what Alan Koch said. He said that they sort of got ahead of themselves when they take a late lead and York's sense of urgency just comes back because they fall behind. They make some substitutions and uh, it's two very, very quick goals. And all of a sudden Edmonton are left thinking, well, I don't really know what happened there because they, they were right on the cusp of a massive, just enormous win for the club on the road, their first away win, and then just in the blink of an eye, it's gone, and they're leaving with nothing. So kind of the story of the season, but a big win as well for York, I think. Yeah, you and I were talking about this. The game genuinely feel bad for that team. You know, like they, they, yeah. they, you know, what you could see what it meant. By the way, it wasn't lost on me, and I'm sure not lost on you. Two York loanees in Gonzalez and Wojciechowski combined to make it two one <laughs> at that moment, and then all of a sudden they go. They look like they're going to get the victory, the away victory, and it, they would probably full value for it, as you alluded to, and you wrote about it on Campio.ca yeah. at that moment. And then 
not one, but two goals inside four minutes. Uh, we saw that with Valor York, uh, sorry, with Valor Pacific a couple of weeks ago with Diaz getting goals in the 71st and 73rd. Rarely do you see a team when they get the lead, give it away and, and then relinquish it so quickly. We've been, seen it twice now in three weeks. Um, but genuinely just feel bad for them. There's 16 points now that FC Edmonton have given up from winning positions this season that leads the league by some distance. Um, here's reaction afterwards by their boss, Alan Koch. Proud of my team. I'm, uh, for the most part, I'm proud of my group that I work with every single day. Um, disappointed with how we managed a couple key moments. Um, it's obviously, we're a young group, just like York are. Uh, and you can see they struggled with a couple key moments, and we struggled too. Uh, unfortunately, we struggled with one more than they did. Ronan Kratt in the 10th, Gabby Bittar 62nd, Azriel Gonzalez in the 78th, Alessandro Cabrera in the 80th, and Jordan Wilson with the winner in the 84th. Uh, what was the mood like with York? And we'll listen to their, start, their, 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 their press conferences shortly, Charlie, but there, could you sense that this was a game that they needed to win? Um, not necessarily for playoffs, but for their own self in a belief? Yeah, mostly mostly a sense of relief, I think, around them. I don't think they'd won a home game since uh since the Forge game back in right. May. Yeah. Uh so that was that was definitely a problem for this team. And they said Jordan Wilson spoke after the game, Martin Nash spoke, they said that maybe a, a month ago they lose or draw this game. Hmm. They don't have the ability to kind of pull themselves off the mat and to to get back into it. One of the reasons for that is they're able to make impactful subs which hasn't always been the case this year. Moba Bully makes his debut. Uh, I think they bring in Luis Lori Latanzio, who'd started a lot of games recently. He comes off the bench for a little different energy. And uh, you know, both those players were very heavily involved for the last 10 minutes of this game. Uh, and, and it's definitely a, a positive sign for Martin Nash to see that his side is able to, to find another gear, which is something that has been a problem for them at times there. Sometimes when they, they have fallen behind or they've they've conceded an equalizer this season, they haven't been able to kind of shake it off and get their heads back into the game and, and go hunting for another goal. But they really felt after they scored the equalizer, it genuinely did feel like they were going to score a winner in this game because they had that that extra kind of killer instinct that is what they've needed so badly at a lot of points this season. Yeah, every credit for the fact that they turned that around. Here's, here's the head coach, Martin Nash, after this game. I thought we started well, got a, an early goal. We're getting in some good areas. Um, they made a tactical change in the early sub, and it caused us some problems. Um, we, I thought we sorted about a halftime, but I thought we came out a bit slow second half, kind of just almost in the, with the, the mindset to see the game out, which wasn't the plan. So, uh, yeah, and kind of poor, poor goals to give away from you know a uh, coaching perspective, but. Uh, I think a couple weeks ago we might have given up at that point, and uh, the guys battled and fought, and uh, yeah, it was it was great great to get back into the game initially, and then uh, to grab a winner late was uh, was really good, and uh, I think it's something this group needed. The group needed it, and. Uh... Friend of the show and overall great guy, Jordan Wilson, was the match winner, Charlie, in this one. <laughs> yeah. uh, never a dull moment in a Jordan Wilson press conference as well. Uh, do you want to give context maybe to a clip that we're going to throw? Let's Actually, let's throw the clip up and then we'll bring Charlie back okay. on and what it all means. Because Jordan uh, <laughs> talks about being a leader and the ups and downs of football. Let's put this clip together and then we'll, get, we'll let you know what it means. Being in the middle and just being a, a leader, older player on the team. Um, when I find myself doing things that I shouldn't be doing, I'm upset at... I'm the hardest person on myself, so to speak. So 
yeah, coming out in the second half, I just feel like we know that we're up 1-0. We still got to take it to them. And we didn't really have a lot of energy. And then myself included. Like, I took my foot off the gas a bit. So, yeah, I feel like I have to be the hardest on myself. And that should just resonate throughout the team. Like, if I'm the oldest player, played the, probably the most games, if I'm hard on myself, the guy who's 18 coming off the bench, he needs to be working hard as well. Love that guy. One of the best dudes in the game, no doubt about it. But yeah. An entertaining press conference, Charlie. It was. Uh, I mean, first of all, congrats to Jordan, who has, I think, two goals in three games since becoming a father. That's right. Uh, so good that's for him. But, yeah. That's all it took for him to become a, a goal scorer. That's all you needed. He's a, he's a prolific goal scorer now. But uh, he did say that, you know, he was kind of, it was an important moment for him earlier in the second half. I think when they'd gone down, there was a bit of a, a dust up uh, between himself and some other players, including Gabby Batar. But he'd made the mature choice to not go after it, not pick up maybe a, a silly card or, or pick him, pick himself up another suspension. Uh, and he said it was uh, good karma that <laughs> eventually the ball did fall to his head off a, a bit of a goalkeeping mistake for him to score the winning goal. So uh, good for Jordan. You know, he did, you can't not a not a nicer guy in the league. Uh, and it's a, a very, very big moment for him. And you could see what it meant to these guys to get a result like that. We'll wrap it up quickly with this. Warshevsky and Batar, again, mm. a delight to watch. You know, that first goal, the interchange, and then the, 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 the cross by Batar, the, the shot across the, the, the goalkeeper by Batar, and then the second goal again. Uh, and I know you love a diving header. That, that, there were some special goals Edmonton scored. They were. They were really, really uh, entertaining goals, really nice little pieces of of interplay between players that you can tell are starting to get a lot more comfortable with one another. Obviously a team that it was pretty much just thrown together quickly before the start of the season, but these players are starting to figure out how they can attack teams and find out where those dangerous spaces are, especially in transition. I thought Gabby Batar was phenomenal in this game, really running at York and, and causing problems in transition. So it's definitely uh, a good thing for Alan Kosh to see that these players are, are continuing to improve, especially with one another on the pitch. Um, just a side note, Ollie Platt and I had a nightmare last night putting the team of the week together because <laughs> we could have picked 11 central midfielders. There was that many good central midfielders. Jordan yeah. Wilson didn't get in the team of the week, I don't think. Um, uh, Batar definitely didn't get in it. Elliot Simmons didn't get in it. And you, know, you had Omar and Young. And oh, it was ridiculous. So many good central midfielders. And Asi didn't get in it. It was uh, a great week to be on the panel to pick it because it was a lot of choices. We were going back with like 20 names. Uh, uh, but yeah, just a fantastic week, Ricard. Thank you all for joining us on this Monday. To recap it, before we close the show, let's take a look at the standings. And it has to be said, a difficult week for Vala as the stretch, as you can see, the gap starting to stretch just a little bit. Um, but at the top, it's getting closer and closer. 35, 35, 34, and don't discount 32. And I know four gets in, but remember this, the top seed, if they get to the final, will host. The, the, the ability to win the, the regular season championship, and let's call it what it is, a championship is very important, and that will certainly be a major storyline we'll be covering a lot over the next few weeks. Uh, talking of the upcoming week, it's going to be a big one, and we'll get to that next. A reminder, the CPL Predictor brought to you by Come On, your chance to test yourself against fellow CPL fans to win cash and, of course, other lucrative prizes. Just predict the scores and go to campl.ca 
backslash predictor. We've got a couple of different schedule boards to show you this week because we've got midweek action. Of course, the aforementioned CONCACAF League game at Starlight Stadium. Hope to see a packed house there for the visit of Costa Rica's big star team, Herediano. Wednesday, the Canadian Premier League action continues. Atletico Ottawa have a chance to rebound after their loss on the weekend, taking on the new look Halifax Wanderers from TD Place. That will be an interesting game to follow us again on Wednesday. And then we'll take a look at next week. And we got four games again, Charlie. Halifax against Pacific. That's a tough one uh, for the visitors because they've won six in a row. But they are playing sandwiched in between the trip to Costa Rica. Yeah. Uh, and a game, you, even the, the best teams sometimes may look forward. What a chance for Halifax. Should, should we be predicting a home win potentially? Oh, I'm not sure if I'd be comfort, confident enough. To... Like they've definitely, uh, definitely got a chance here, at Halifax, and especially if they can carry on and build off of what they did uh, over this weekend. A nice Saturday night at Tim Hortons Field should be a good one as York make their first trip this season uh, down the 401 in the QEW to Hamilton. And you'd have to think that there'll be a difficult one for that in, in that one. But they always play them tight. But maybe look for Forge to score maybe one more goal in that game with that one. Winnipeg, we go to next for Valor against FC Edmonton. And and has to be said, it's a must-win game, Charlie. Yes. Uh, absolutely. They, they do not have a choice. They have to win that game. Uh, but Edmonton have shown that they can cause Valor trouble this year. So that'll, that'll be a, a tricky one. But again, Phil DeSantos will know the importance of that game. They genuinely have to win that. They do have to win that one. And another week, another big game at Spruce Meadows as Cavalry take on Atletico Ottawa. Look for that to be a real close one. And some predictors, I'm sure, will look to get a draw out of that one as well. Well, we can't thank you enough for joining us again over the past hour. Massive thanks to our guys, Mitchell Tinney, Benedict Rhodes, AGR, of course, on his travels in LA. Follow him and his football world travels on Twitter because uh, he goes to a lot of games. Every credit for him as well. Um, a couple of things I want to mention before we close. Uh, a magnificent... Uh, weekend for League One. Uh, the Interprovincial Champions and Women's Champions took place in Laval, Quebec. All credit to all the teams, Dino Rossi and League One to put that together. Um, check out our YouTube, our socials for the video recap and of course on One Soccer, the home of Canadian soccer that broadcast all those games live. Just magnificent to watch that and what that meant to those teams as well. Uh, and the other thing to add is this. It was a special night on Friday. A brilliant game and Cavalry came on the right side of a game against Forge. A brilliant match and we close looking back again at a special night under the lights on Friday night. Coming here, it's uh, not always an easy place uh, to win. They play with a lot of energy, especially against us. You know, you look at their recent form against some other teams and maybe the energy is not there, but you know for sure when they're playing Forge, they're going to have their best uh, foot forward. We have to rise. They're, they're a team that's in form. What, they've won six in a row. They were trying to set a new league record as well as their own record, and we have to rise to that challenge. Right, let's get this command match of the week underway, shall we? Look at this, Joe Mason on the other end of a perfect delivery in behind the Forge back line. And when they need Mason the most, he steps up and delivers. A little bit of chaos right now on the deck. And things are starting to bubble over a little bit. Seeing guys get into each other's faces, obviously uh, with friendly competition and sportsmanship, but you know, it's passion for the game. Um, those are the types of games you want to play in. It felt like a, a playoff game tonight. It's always going to have a little bit of chippiness here and there. That's just the nature of this game. Nice fake. It's out of bite. It's Hamilton. His first for Forge. My goodness, this match. And the gray and orange of Forge were level. 
A third touch now across, rising to that post. Escalante, it's a tap in. Mickey Kintabe. Speaking of opening year accounts, the first for Cavalry for the Haitian. It is absolutely brilliant. Has the flight come up? That seems a bit harsh for me. Oh no, no, it's back. Get your take. He's well outside, and this is a header back. That's the right call. We'll see the replay, he'll agree. It's never offside. He's not happy about something. Goal was clean, it was fine. Nothing wrong with it. Cavalry hang on for one of their prettiest performances of the season. It makes for great history, and that's what people are enjoying about this game and our league.